friends. I am so excited for this episode of You Lost Me at Namaste. I'm your host, Michelle Schoenfeld, and today we are going to kick off the Alcohol Experiment, a 30-day alcohol-free challenge to interrupt your habits and help you take control. Oh my gosh, I am so stoked to dive into this. Um, It started with a book by Annie Grace. She also wrote This Naked Mind, which you might be familiar with. It was a New York Times bestselling self-help book that really kind of deconstructs why we do the things we do and how to take control of your life through your habits, through your subconscious, through your early programming as a child and how you can kind of break free and, and escape into um, a healthier life. So that's not even, um, probably doesn't do it any justice, but I'm telling you, she's a great author. Her method works. She's been all over the news. She has been written up. Really, really fantastic. So today, we are going to kick it off. Yes, I'm so excited. And thank you for all of those um, DMs and emails for people who are signed up and pledging to do this with me. We have quite a great, beautiful community of people around the world who are going to be taking part in this together. And if you haven't signed up yet, don't worry. You don't even actually have to sign up. You can just do it on your own. But if you want to sign up, then you will have access to some live Zoom calls, some bonus content. And it's just fun to know that you're part of something and that we can all, as a collective community, hold each other accountable and support each other through this judgment-free, 30-day, alcohol-free project. (laughs) So, so incredibly excited. So welcome, welcome, everybody, to this. Um, And again, I will say a few times throughout today's podcast that if you haven't bought the book yet, it's not too late. There'll be a link in the show notes. You can go below and check that out. It's called The Alcohol Experiment. The best place to probably get it is on Amazon. I love supporting local small uh, bookstores for sure, but Amazon can get it to you quickly and easily. And I contacted Annie Grace, the author, to find out what languages it's available in, since I know there's a lot of you listening from all around the world, 100 plus countries to be exact. And I was excited to find out that it is in Spanish, in French, in German, in Swedish, in Finnish. And I think there's two others I can't think of right now. Um, Sadly, it was not in Turkish yet, which I told her about a quarter of this audience is Turkish. Um, But it is available in those six or seven different languages. So hopefully you can find one that works for you. And no worries, we are going to, I'm going to get you ready today. Actually, that's a really good thing. Let me tell you a little bit about how this is going to go. So what we are going to do is for the next four weeks to get us through, actually five weeks to get us through this 30-day challenge, each episode is going to be covering the week of the challenge. We're going to go over some tips and tools. I'm going to share some things that are working for people. I'm bringing on different guests who are doing this with us, as well as um, a couple of people who've done this very successfully in the past to share their wisdom. We are also going to do a 30-day juice detox cleanse. I'm adding that in in the middle of the month for all of you who really want to clean your body and get a nice detox to your organs. 
And it also helps with mental clarity, with cell turnover for your organs, and of course, the nice benefit of losing a little bit of that visceral fat, that yucky weight that we don't want to carry around with us into 2022. And what do they say? Summer bodies are made in the winter. <laughs> so here we go. And if you're tuning into this, not live, but later, know that this four-week or five-week session will be available any time of year. So you can use this as a resource library and come back to it and do this 30-day challenge any time you want. So that was just a little bit of housekeeping on how it's going to be laid out. Um, for today, because I received so many messages about people who said they were not able to get the book or it won't be there in time, I am going to actually read a little bit from the book today just to give you an idea of what to expect and hopefully get you caught up. So by next week, we are all ready to go and do this together. So I started it on 111 because I thought that's super fitting and it's launching on a Tuesday for Transformation Tuesday because that is exactly what we are all going to do is we are going to transform our our mind, body and soul together through this experiment. So, I am just going to start off um, by reading a little bit of it just because I want those of you who don't have it to know what we're doing. And also for those who do have it, it's just fun to do this together, right? Like I really want this moving forward to be a really nice interactive program. And don't worry if you have slip ups throughout this 30 days, it's okay. Just jump back in whenever you can. We really want to do this as an experiment and we really don't want to judge ourselves. It's meant to be a super positive, fun, empowering um, program. So here we go. This is the introduction. It's your body. It's your mind. It's your choice. During the alcohol experiment, you'll make a choice to go 30 days without alcohol just to see how you feel. You'll become detached reporter, researching the facts, writing down your observations, and possibly drawing new conclusions. This is an exciting experiment, not a punishment. You're not weak-willed for questioning your drinking. There's no judgment or labeling here. You have a unique opportunity to remember how to enjoy life without alcohol. And with this book's unconventional approach, I'm willing to bet you'll enjoy the process. So who is this book for? This experiment is for you if you're curious about your relationship with alcohol. And if you're thinking about drinking less often, or perhaps not at all. It's also for you if you are of two minds about alcohol. You want to drink less, but you also feel deprived or upset when you abstain. You drink out of habit or boredom, only to regret it later. It's like turn the page. <laughs> you are starting to wonder if alcohol is taking more than it is giving you. You are curious what life would be like and how you would feel if you never had any alcohol. You want to just drink less overall, but life just seems a little too stressful or there's too many social engagements. You have a love-hate relationship with alcohol, that's kind of me, and find yourself setting limits and then breaking them when happy hour rolls around or it's a friend's birthday. You have tried to cut back or stop drinking, possibly many times, using willpower alone and found it ineffective, which is so true. Oh my gosh, there's a whole chapter on that in this book. Willpower is ineffective. It is not sustainable. It's a short-term fix only. It is not a lifestyle change. 
Um, let's see. If you if you fell into drinking more than you ever wanted without making a conscious decision to do so. If you feel you can stop drinking for a few days but find yourself feeling deprived. If you're ready to regain control of your drinking, your life, your health, and your happiness. You're looking forward to feeling great on Saturday night and feeling great Sunday morning. <laughs> and you're ready to be your best self. Get in shape, regain your self-esteem, lose some weight, and change your life. Bravo. Yes, that is us. And I do have to point out, she does say, who is this not for? This is not for you if you have a strong physical addiction to alcohol, if you are physically dependent and suffer from serious withdrawal symptoms. And she goes on to say that this is not for a severe alcoholic. Um, this really isn't about that. This is not about trying to cure alcoholism. It really is an experiment to see what our triggers are, to see what our relationship is with alcohol, and just to kind of rewire our brain to not needing it in times that we think we do. Um, and also for me, and as a wellness specialist, is cleaning up our body, right? Is detoxifying, giving your cells a chance to turn over, giving your organs a break. And I just thought it'd be really fun to do together because I have so many people ask me about alcohol, knowing that I am alkaline vegan, that I do a lot of health and wellness, I give lectures on it, I work at wellness centers, and for a long time I didn't drink, and then I slowly started drinking again. And again, if you're anything like me, like we all are coming to this, I should say, from different backgrounds, right? For me, I don't really care to buy alcohol in my house. It doesn't bother me. I don't drink on a daily basis. I don't drink on a weekly basis. I rarely have alcohol in my house. Um, I might bottle, buy a bottle of wine if a friend's coming over, but it's not something I really stock or think about. What my issue is, my personal issue is that when I do have a glass of wine, if I go out with the girls or I'm at a friend's birthday or whatever the situation may be, a party, one glass is never one glass. Never, ever, ever. As much as I might say, okay, I'm only gonna have one glass tonight. I'm just gonna be social, I'll nurse it all night. No, that is never, ever the case. One glass turns into two or turns into three. And we are gonna find out in the next chapter exactly why that happens because there is science behind it. There is real science behind your body and what happens. So we're gonna get to that in a bit. So anyway, I just wanna say who this is for and who this is not for. And I'm so excited you're joining me here. Um, and just remember, it's 30 days, it's not forever. Like many people, many people, it's just what she says, many people ask me if they will have to give up drinking forever if they, are, if they try the experiment. My answer is, it's up to them. My goal is to offer you a shift in your perspective and show you some of the neuroscience behind why you might be drinking more than you would like. You might go back to your regular drinking habits after the 30 days. You might drink a bit more mindfully and less often, or you might decide to give it another 30 days just for the heck of it. You also might decide that you feel good and you never want to go back to drinking. Whatever. You decide. Really. You decide. It's up to you. It's your body. It's your life. That's it. And I just want to hear what you guys are doing. I want to know your story. So DM me. Send me some emails. I want to know where you're coming from, what you would like to get out of this program, and what you're, like, what you're hoping, you know, what you're hoping for at the end of the 30 days. So... Um, I hope that you guys are enjoying me reading this, but I just feel like it's the best way to get it across to the people who don't have the book yet. And then the other sessions won't be so much reading. It'll be more just talking about it. And I will give my tips and tools for what's working for me and what I think you guys can expect. Um, she goes on to say, since you're reading this right now, you probably are questioning how much you drink. 
Maybe you know you drank a little too much and want to quit. Or maybe you're just curious about life what it would be like with a bit less alcohol in it. Maybe you're questioning whether you might be overdoing it a bit. No matter where you are in the spectrum, you're not alone. I've been there. And tens of thousands of people inside the alcohol experiment community have been there too. You're probably wondering why in the world you keep drinking even though you made a conscious decision to cut back or stop altogether. Why we do the things we no longer want to do. Why do we? Why do we? Right? Why are so many diets failed? Why are there so many times you have a hangover, you know, and like, I'm never drinking again or, okay, I'm going to go out tonight, but I'm really only going to have one or two glasses. That's it. And then you come home, you feel fine, you're laughing, everything's silly, and then you wake up in the middle of the night feeling sick and the next day you're hungover, right? There is science behind it. Why do we do it? Why do we do it? We know it's a poison. We know it's a toxin, yet we still do it. We still do it because of how our brain is wired, right? How our brain is wired. So she goes on to say, I wondered the same thing. Even when I first started drinking, it seemed to be natural, the normal thing to do. I saw nothing wrong with it. I didn't know all the negative ways alcohol could affect my health. I was a drinker and I was proud of it. It was fun. I tried hard to develop a tolerance so I could keep up with my colleagues. It was fun. It was relaxing. I had better sex when I was drunk. Or so I thought. Eventually, I came to the point in my life when I started to question my drinking. I didn't like waking up with a hangover. I didn't like having to piece together conversations and wondering if I said or did something embarrassing. I wasn't even enjoying myself anymore. I could drink two bottles of wine and not feel it because I had such a high tolerance. So I made a conscious decision to stop drinking and thought that would be it. I would just, I wouldn't drink. That was it. Easy peasy. Sound familiar? (laughs) If you've tried to give up or moderate your alcohol consumption in the past and failed, I want you to know it's not your fault. There's something going on and you're probably not even aware of it. And once you understand it, your eyes will be opened and you will be able to undergo this experiment in a meaningful way. It won't just be another failure of willpower. And to understand what's going on, we need to explore a concept called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive meaning the way you think and dissonance meaning disagreement. And so then she goes on to talk about what goes on in our brain, right? We have this conscious decision, I'm not going to drink. But subconsciously, we have all these triggers from our past of like just conflicting desires to drink or not to drink. You think it would be that easy, but it's really, really not. Because when we're growing up, we see maybe our parents drank after work to relax. You see on movies, you see on TV, right? That People have a drink when they're stressed out or they want to relax. There's movies going on girls trips or you know, guys trips, bachelor parties, whatever. All these things are either relaxing or to get rid of anxiety or to have fun and celebrate all have alcohol related to them. So our subconscious brain is wired that that is what we do, right? Maybe you call a friend and you're talking about your bad day or you go to a friend's house to vent and they go and get the wine out. Let's have a glass of wine. It'll make it better. Well, it really doesn't. It seems like it does short term, but it really doesn't because alcohol is a depressant, right? It is a depressant. And although it seems at first that it makes us feel a little bit better, we think it does, it really doesn't. And so that's also part of the conflict is not wanting to drink, but then there's this deep rooted subconscious saying, oh, well, just this one time will be okay. It'll make you feel better. It'll take the edge off. And that's not at all the case. Um, she said the internal conflict, our brains immediately try 
to restore harmony, right? Because our brains don't like conflict. And we're used to doing that. We're used to making things better. So we'll say we can change our behavior. We can make a vow not to eat something or not to drink something, but then we break it. And then we feel bad about ourselves, And then there's more conflict and more conflict causes pain. And then we have pain and we feel so down about ourselves that then we might start to drink again. It's like we delude ourselves all the time when it comes to alcohol or any other addictive substance. We ignore the fact that alcohol isn't doing us any favors. It's actually harming us. Like we know that it's bad for our skin. It's bad for our organs. It's like we know it's not good for us, yet we still do. (laughs) We still do it. So the good news is, as she says, I discovered a way to truly resolve the cognitive dissidence around drinking. And it works for anything and for anyone. If you are eating sugar when you don't want to, or you're gambling when you don't want to, or watching too much television, or whatever it is, this method works to resolve the conflict and get your conscious and subconscious minds on the same page. And that is the goal, right? So we kind of, we have to look at like, what do we believe? What do we believe about alcohol? Or what do we believe about ourselves? And is it true? Is this a true belief? And how does it make us feel? And is it helpful? And so there's some pages here where you are asked those and she explains how to do it. You journal. um, You know, this is an example. She says, remember when I said sometimes our beliefs just aren't true. Well, that's how you untangle this mess by discovering the truth. Does alcohol truly relax you or do you just think it does? Do you really enjoy sex more when you're drunk? Or does it become a sloppy, embarrassing mess you can hardly remember? Like, yeah, it lowers your inhibitions, so maybe you feel like it's better, but it's really not. It's really not. I love, um, there's a country singer, Tim McGraw, who has a song, and it's the difference between sleeping with someone and sleeping with someone you love, right? It's kind of like, think about that. Sleeping with someone, sex is great, or sleeping with someone you love, like how amazing that difference is. Well, that's kind of how life is, like how life is on alcohol, but then how really amazing it can be without alcohol because you aren't numb, because you don't have this fake sense of what's going on and then have all that um, judgment and depression and anxiety that comes afterwards when the alcohol wears off. So in the very beginning, the first day, this is what we're doing, you know, this first week, the first day is she calls it the ACT technique. And it's because willpower just doesn't work, right? So it's awareness, clarity, and like under clarity, for example, it's like discover why you believe the things you believe and where it originated. You do this by asking questions, both of yourself and of external evidence and uncovering truths about your beliefs. Like what have I observed that support this belief? And what she means is it's like, here's an example, happy hour. And the idea that everyone unwinds with a cocktail after a stressful day of work. Or every time I talk to my friends about struggles, either about my kids or my spouse or something like that, they're like, oh no, don't worry. I know just the thing. And they go and grab a bottle of wine or pour a scotch or something, right? Those are the kind of things that we're all conditioned to, but it doesn't work. It doesn't. And so what does it mean? You know, how do you feel when you're, when you're relaxed? How do you feel when you're not relaxed? How do you feel when you're happy? How do you feel when you're not happy? How do you feel at the end of the day? How do you feel the next day after you've been drinking? These are all the questions that she's going to ask you to really kind of think about. How does the belief make you feel? And how does it affect your behavior? I just think it's really, really interesting. And it's also important to 
then start turning these stories that we're telling ourselves, right? The turnaround, changing them, changing it, like changing the verbiage, I should say, not, not from positive to negative, but it really matters how you, how your brain works, what your initial belief is. Like, here's an example is people might say alcohol relaxes me, but the opposite becomes alcohol does not relax me or alcohol stresses me out. You might think alcohol relaxes you because you're programmed, but it really doesn't. We know scientifically that the long term, it doesn't. So start changing those things you're telling yourself. Like alcohol stresses my body out. A hangover is evidence of that. Alcohol prevents me from taking action necessary to truly relieve my stress. So in that case, it does not relax me. When I, am, when I drink, I am more likely to get in an argument with my spouse and fighting is stressful. When I drink, I beat myself up about it the next day. And that is stressful, right? We don't want to do any of those things. We don't want to beat ourselves up. We want it judgment-free. And I said that at the beginning of the podcast. We want judgment-free during this alcohol experiment, for sure. But just in our life, we want judgment-free because really, the number, our number one goal in life is to have the most beautiful, healthy relationship with ourselves. And to have a healthy relationship with yourself, you need to love yourself. You need to love yourself. And drinking doesn't help you love yourself, <laughs> right? So I should say like to excess and all these problems, like we want to not, um, if, if we act in a certain way, we want to know that it's really what we meant, that we really had clear cognitive thoughts when we made the decisions that we make. Um, she also goes on to talk about sticking with it. And how important it is to stick with this program for the 30 days. But if you slip, it's okay. Just jump back on. Jump back on. Because, you know, you're going to experience stress in the next 30 days. You are. It just, that's life, right? I can pretty much guarantee it. But rather than saying, like, screw it and giving up and stopping and, and just thinking, okay, I'll try it again next time, don't. Like, just say, okay, I can do this. Just jump right back on the bandwagon. And if you're thinking of having a drink, think, how is it going to make you feel later? It might make you feel okay temporarily, but how's it going to make you feel later or, or the next day when you realize that you broke your promise to yourself? So you really, you know, you want to commit to this. You want to make a promise to yourself. In fact, write it down on a piece of paper. If you're taking notes or you will, like in your book, write down that you are taking the pledge to complete this for 30 days. And even if you slip up, even if you have a mistake, that you just jump right back in where you left off and keep going. And if you make it, in the 30 days and you'll, you have a few drinks, that's still a huge improvement, right? Huge improvement. And you've learned so much. The experiment is about getting through all the information and learning and feeling empowered and staying curious about your behavior, no matter what it is. And like, keep a journal. It doesn't matter. Like if you make a mistake, of course, we don't want to make mistakes. We want to go this full 30 days without, without a drink. But if you slip up, if something happens, keep going because it is an experiment. It doesn't mean it's done. You're not failing out. <laughs> the only way you fail out is by not completing the 30 days of reading the book every day and learning about the behaviors. And like, you know, this isn't to tell you to stop drinking or to keep drinking. It's really just to provide you the framework to discover your truth and what works for you and what you want. Because at the end of the day, you're the only one who can make this choice. And you're the only one who um, is going to benefit from it. Like it really, it's all about you. So just make that pledge, write it down right now that you pledge to make it through the 30 days. Um, and you know, if you beat yourself up over drinking, you know, give yourself a break 
right? Give yourself a break. Because our goal is not to be perfect. It's simply just to test out a new way of thinking and behaving to see how it feels, to see if it moves you closer to your desires, to see if it changes your life. In fact, imperfection can be a wonderful tool as well, because you can see for yourself more clearly. It's like Abraham Hicks, the law of attraction, right? Figuring out what you don't want and what doesn't work is just as important as finding out what you do want and what does work because it gets you closer to your goal. So that's my little rant, rant on this. Um, and just you know, a few tips before you start. Actually, if you, you may have started already today, but you really want to be kind to yourself. And you can also join um, the alcoholexperiment.com online if you want additional support. There's a really great community of people there with chat rooms. Um, again, it's the alcoholexperiment.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. You want to start journaling and it's just a really great tool. And when you write, write as if like you're going to burn it. Like nobody's going to read it. It's just your true raw thoughts. Don't guard yourself. Don't write what you think you should write. Write whatever comes to mind. Get it out. And at the end of the 30 days, you can burn it. You can not burn it. You can throw it away. You can keep it. Um, my friend Wayne, who did this podcast a year ago for me because he did this very successfully. He said he kept his journal and when he would have moments of weakness um, or just moments where he couldn't remember something that he felt like made an impact on him during the 30 days, he'd go back and read his journal and remember why he was doing it or what he felt at the time. And he said it was a really wonderful tool for him that he continues to go back to over and over as a resource. So I wanted to share that with you. Um, and let's see, okay, what to expect over the next 30 days? Well, uh, as we already said, you want to make a firm decision to commit to this 100%. You want to tell somebody you trust that you're doing it, whether it's a best friend or a spouse or a parent or, you know, it could be your nail girl or whatever, a guy friend at the gym. It doesn't matter who you tell, but somebody that you trust, just it will help you stay accountable as well. If you can find a friend or family member to do it with you, fantastic. Um, if not, don't worry. You have all of us doing it. Again, send me a DM. I'll add you to my list. And drink plenty of water to flush out the toxins during this this time. You really, really, really want to do that. Drink plenty of water, more than you think you need. A good way of measuring is your weight. So say you're 140 pounds, then you want to drink 70 ounces of water a day. That'd be average, right? You want to drink half your body weight, but ounces a day. Just add an extra couple glasses. And I highly recommend starting your day with a celery juice. You can get that easily at any of your local grocery stores, your Whole Foods, Trader Joe's. Um, start with a celery juice, and it's a really nice way to help your body flush out the toxins from the night before. You also want to get a lot of sleep. I'll be honest with you, the first couple of weeks, if you're a regular drinker, the first couple of weeks of this, you could notice um, some disruption in your sleep patterns because I think it takes almost three weeks for your body to stabilize and get into that normal, really good, yummy sleep, which she actually goes over in, um, I think it's day three. You know, day two is all about sleep. So we'll get to that um, later in the week. But you want to get good night's sleep if you can. And this is not in the book. Um, the celery juice isn't the book. That's just me as a wellness expert. Like drink your celery juice in the, in the morning. You can also make your own concoction of water, a little cayenne, um, apple cider vinegar or lemon, whichever you prefer. And you can put a little maple syrup or something if you want. That kind of helps flush your system and detoxify a little bit. But really, I like the celery juice. That's my, my go-to in the morning for this. 
And you want to take a shower every morning. You don't have to wash your hair. You don't have to use a lot of soap. It can be a super quick in and out, but you want to rinse off all the toxins that come out of your body while you sleep. And they do. They come out, let me tell you. So even if you don't feel like you're sweaty or you feel fine or it's cold, it's winter, your skin is dry, no excuses. Rinse off quickly every single morning to get those toxins off. Our skin is our largest organ, right? Our skin is our largest organ. So you want to wash off all those toxins that are coming out overnight and get yourself nice and clean and fresh for the day. And also it's a great time to focus on your eating. Try to eat as clean as possible. Add in a little extra protein, cut out the processed foods. And I also would recommend if you don't take a spirulina or chlorella, go ahead and get that. It's a really nice thing to have, and it will help with the cleansing process of your organs, of your vital organs, and it gives you a little bit of really nice energy. So those are things I would recommend. Um, Another thing, this is kind of like a bonus, like if you want to really kick it up a notch, is you can dry brush yourself. And that helps with your lymphatic system. It helps stimulate more of um, the toxins coming out of your body. It exfoliates that top layer of dead skin so more can get out. It just keeps the, your mic, um, it just keeps you healthier and cleaner. And a dry brush can be, you know, like a bath brush, those like natural fibers. If you don't have one of those, they're pretty inexpensive. I'd recommend getting one because dry brushing is such a good thing for your body anyway. But you could also use if you have like a loofah or any kind of like exfoliating glove or something. You just want to give your body a nice brush over and that will help. So that's really if you just want to kick it up a notch because why not, right? Let's get the most out of this that we can because <laughs> at the end of the month, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Oh, and another really great tip is go ahead and take a photo of yourself. Get into your bathing suit or underwear or whatever. Take a photo of yourself front and back. That's the before. And then also get on a scale. Now, I personally don't have a scale because I had a little bit of an eating disorder. I was a gymnast and a ballerina when I was a lot younger. And I always had a problem um, with body image. And so I don't have a scale. It's just something that works for me. I judge, you know, based on how I look and how I feel. I mean, how I feel, not necessarily how I look. And it works a lot better for me. But if you do have a scale, go ahead and get on the scale because that will be your baseline for before. And definitely take those pictures. Now, when I say that, I also want to point out that we want to love ourselves, right? This is all about self-love. So don't judge your body. Show your body some love. If you aren't happy, you take these pictures like, I don't want to get naked and take a picture of myself. Well, this is only for you, first of all. But when you do it, thank your body for working so well. Look at yourself and see something you love. Like you love your eyes, how beautiful your eyes are. Or maybe you have really beautiful feet. Or you have a friend who says she has a really sexy collarbone or clavicle. She says clavicle. Like there's nothing sexy about the word clavicle. But she'll joke. And sometimes she says, the only thing that looks skinny on me right now is my clavicle. And again, you know, just have some fun with it. Just look at the things that you like. Maybe you have great hair. Maybe you have great eyelashes. (laughs) Maybe you have beautiful hands. Whatever it is. Tell yourself some things you love about yourself. And if you can't physically, then do it mentally. You love your sense of humor. You're a good friend. You're witty. Whatever it is, you want to tell yourself some good stories because that's what we need to do. We're starting to rewire everything about our brain. Not about our brain, but everything about our old thought patterns. Our old thought patterns that were pre-2022, right? We're not carrying that old baggage with us into this year. We are cleaning it all up. Not just getting rid of the alcohol for now, but we're also cleaning up our body, trying to be more mindful and make conscious decisions on things that are good for us. <sighs> That's my little ramp, my little rampage right there. 
Um, so moving right along. So that, that we're still on day one, of course. Um, and let's see here. Okay, so it's really important. We talked about journaling, how important that is. And, you know, to write like nobody is reading because this is just for you, right? So then we move on to day one. And what day one is, is really, it's called what's your why? What's your why? Like, why do you drink, right? Write down a list of all the reasons that you drink. No judgment. Just you want a list. And it could be work is stressful and drinking helps me relax after a long day. Drinking helps me be more creative in my job. Drinking helps me be more outgoing. Drinking is important to my social relationships. I love getting together with my girlfriends and drinking wine. I love getting together with the guys after work and having scotch, whatever it is. Write down 50 to 100 things of a list of what you, why you think you drink. Um, and you know, just keep, just do it. Just let it flow out. You know, just keep going and going and going. <laughs> and don't change your mind. If you write it down, just leave it. It's there for a reason, right? Um, and we're going to go over why, that later. It's going to be really interesting to look back on that list. And if you want to pull out another piece of paper, you can make a second list and write down all the reasons that you want to take part in this experiment. Why do you think that you might want to drink less? Or why are you even interested in this 30-day experiment? It could be, I'm tired of waking up slightly hungover. Um, I no longer want to worry about what I said the night before. I'm sick of the internal dialogue about my drinking. I'm tired of thinking about my drinking. Uh, I saw a photo of myself and I could tell by my face that I'd been drinking or I'd purplish teeth and it grossed me out. I look back at certain days and memories that are fuzzy, you know, missing fun things because I drank too much the night before. Whatever it is, I can tell you for me, part of it is I do have that internal dialogue too of like, you know, even when I meditate, I'm like, I'm not going to drink anymore or I'm going to cut back way less. You know, why do I do this? I know it's a toxin. I know it's a poison. Um, and, you know, I like drinking with my friends. I, you know, have girls trips have been so much fun over the years, whether it's Miami or Vail or New York or wherever it is, it doesn't matter. It could be in your own backyard at your local beach or lake or whatever it is. But my brain is wired that if I'm going out with my girlfriends, the first thing we do when we get there is pop open a bottle of champagne. And we start with bubbles almost every time. It doesn't matter who, where, when, that's what we do. And on these girls' trip, you wake up in the morning, you have mimosas or Bloody Marys, and you drink throughout the day. And then I have a really good friend in North Carolina that we were in Miami on a girls' trip, and she made a joke because we had been day drinking by the pool. This was probably 10 years ago. And we got back to the hotel room, and we were all, you know, it's that time of like, okay, do I keep drinking to keep this going, or do we take a nap? And it was like that really in-between, like, oh, feeling... And she's like, we need to sober up so we can get drunk again because we had a busy night that night. And she was saying it as a joke, but we all knew what she meant because we were feeling that like, oh my gosh, we drank a few too many watermelon margaritas by the pool and we have this wonderful, beautiful reservations tonight and we know that we're going to be drinking. And it's like that vicious cycle, right? That vicious cycle. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what's hard for me. And also, there have been years where I didn't drink and I had just as much fun. I had so much fun. And so it's like, well, why can't I get back to that? And then I do for a while and then I don't. And then I beat myself up with this internal dialogue. And it's this is helping explain. Now, I've read further ahead than probably you guys, so I know why. We'll get to it later. But it makes so much sense as to why that happens. Um, so you make the list of why you drink and what's your why. And then you get really excited. Let yourself dream. If the experiment 
delivers all the promises that you want, right? At the end of this 30 days, how do you expect to feel? Like, how do you expect to feel at the end of the 30 days? And what do you hope your life looks like in a year? Like, how will it have changed? How will your life change in a year? And it might not have anything to do with alcohol. It doesn't matter. Just where would you like to see your life a year from now? I think that's kind of a really exciting thing to think about because it is going to be such a really wonderful year. Um, She goes on to talk about the taste of alcohol and why we think we like it. But, you know, they've done like huge studies. There's a 6,000 person study on um, blind taste tests. And what they found is people couldn't tell the difference between a good wine and a cheap wine. Um, They couldn't tell the difference between something with alcohol or not in a wine, uh, in one case. And also people couldn't tell the difference between pate and dog food. Pretty disgusting. But it is interesting how our brain works. A lot of it is about oral fixation, right? Or it's about um, the routine of having that beautiful wine glass in your hand or having the clinking of ice in your scotch glass or vodka tonic, you know, whatever your drink of choice is. It's that habit more than it is usually even the taste. Um, and she says, you know, it's important that while you're doing this alcohol experiment to keep your social plans. Don't cancel your plans because you think, oh, I'm not drinking for a month. I can't do anything. No, 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 no. That's defeating the purpose. The idea is your relationship with alcohol is an experiment. So you want to keep yourself in those positions and make different choices. And it's also like framing things in the positive. Like if the waiter or waitress comes over to you and takes everybody's drinks, drinks order and then gets to you and says, what would you like to drink? Don't say, oh, I'm not drinking right now. Thank you. Say, make it positive. I'll have a soda. I'll have club soda and lime and a wine glass, please. Right? Something like that. I'll have um, sparkling water with big ice and a slice of lemon. Whatever it is. You can even say, I'll have a virgin margarita. It doesn't matter what you say, but don't answer it in the negative. Don't say, oh, I'm not drinking right now, or oh, I'm not having alcohol right now, or I'm doing dry January, or whatever it is. Don't say any of that because that's negative. This is positive. This is empowering, right? So when somebody says, what would, and what are you having to drink? Or can I get a drink order for you? Yes, please. I'll have a club soda, slice of lime, and a wine glass. Thank you. And that's it. No explanation necessary. That's it. <laughs> um, so I hope these little tips are helping you. And again, like I said, today it's going to be a lot of information because we're just kicking this off to get people ready. And then by next week, we are going to go very, very structured. Um, okay. So, oh, interestingly enough, she also says alcohol is actually an anesthetic. So it numbs your ability to taste things, making it more difficult to savor our food, which is interesting, right? Because a lot of people say that it helps with like bringing out the flavor in your steak or bringing out the flavor in your fish or something like that. And it's actually the opposite. Opposite Research says that it's poisonous and it actually is anesthetic to your tongue. So if you think you're drinking for the taste, that is not the case. (laughs) That is a falsehood. Um, That's a falsehood. (laughs) And so then day two, that was day one. Day two is all about sleep. We're going to talk about the chemicals that get released in your brain, neurotransmitters and hormones, and how it affects your sleep. That's a really good day. Um, Great Day three, is why we think we like to drink. And I think day three is a really interesting one. It deals with dopamine and serotonin. The two main chemicals, they work. Okay, so I'll read what she says. The two main chemicals work in the pleasure center. 
dopamine, which is responsible for desire and cravings, and serotonin, which is responsible for feelings of feeling good and inhibition, right? We love serotonin and dopamine. Dopamine is also what you get, incidentally, when if you're big on social media, if you like to post on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and you get the likes and the comments and you see it, it feels good. There's a reason we want those likes. And there's a reason it feels good because every single time you get a little click of dopamine and dopamine gives you that little high. It doesn't last and it's addictive, but that's why we like it so much, right? So that's dopamine. Makes you feel good, but it's short-lived and it's addictive. Serotonin is a little bit more sustainable and it also is like you're happy. Think of it like that. It just makes you feel happy. It's a happy chemical. Um, So these are responsible for the feelings. Okay. In a healthy brain, there is a delicate balance between the two, but alcohol throws off that balance. And so as I'm drinking that glass of wine, lots of dopamine gets dumped into my system making me want more of what gave me the pleasure, the alcohol, right? Since the pleasure center has been artificially stimulated by the outside substance, my brain seeks to regain the correct balance. So it sends out a chemical downer called dynorphin. I thought that was really interesting, actually. This actually suppresses my feelings of euphoria. And as as the effects of the first glass of wine start to wear off, my sense of well-being actually falls below where it started in the first place, which means I'm lower than when I got off work after a hard day. Bummer, (laughs) right? So it's like you have the glass of wine, you feel better for a little while, then your body sends out dynorphin and it stabilizes it, the wine wears off, but now you have the dynorphin in your body, so you're actually lower than you were before. So the dopamine is still working and it makes... It makes, okay, it makes me crave more of what made me feel good. So I order another glass of wine and the cycle starts all over again. Then I order another glass of wine and so on. An unwanted effect is that in order to combat the depressant effects of alcohol, my body counteracts the alcohol by releasing things like adrenaline and cortisol. We know what cortisol is, right? Cortisol is a stress hormone. It causes aging. It causes inflammation. It's really supposed to be for fight or flight, like a tiger's coming after you or there's a fire. It gives you that little boost to go. We don't want that stress hormone. It causes massive aging. So now in your body's attempt to maintain homeostasis and combat the alcohol, you're lower than you started on all accounts. In other words, she says, I now have to cross an even bigger gap to get above the baseline pleasure. And that is where it gets miserable. Even worse, though, is the alcohol is starting to affect other areas of my brain. My senses are being numbed. My brain is actually slowing down. Eventually, I might slur my speech. Perhaps my vision blurs. I feel detached from reality. I convince myself that this is a welcome break from the real world. Who can relate to that? right? That's what happens. And it makes so much sense as to why, as I said earlier, for me, one glass is never one glass. And so I'm sure they said, later it goes on, about 80% of people can relate to that, that one drink is never one drink. You have that vodka, the scotch, or whatever your drink of choice is, you have one, you get that momentary little bump up of dopamine and serotonin, 
And then it starts to come down. So then you have the second one because it feels good. And then you have your third one because it feels good. And then your senses are numbed. Your inhibition is way down. You're not making clear choices because now it's affected your brain as well. And it really has nothing to do with willpower at this point. You have no willpower then to say no. It's ridiculous. And interestingly enough, if you drink, like say you always drink on a Friday night or there's some occasion that you always drink. And then a Friday night comes and you're not drinking, or maybe there's a certain person that you always go out with. And when you guys go out, you drink a little too much and you just know that it's a really good friend. You always go out, you drink a little too much. If you go out with this friend and you don't drink or they cancel last minute, you can still get like a hangover effect. Or maybe sometimes out of the blue, you're like, why am I so tired? I almost feel like hungover, but you didn't drink. It's because something triggered your body. Your brain thought this was the time you normally drink. And so to protect you, it proactively starts sending out the dynorphin. It starts sending it out to get you ready because it knows you're going to drink, but then you don't drink. And so then you feel like crap anyway. So the idea is to get our body so clean that that doesn't happen anymore. So the cycle, um, you know, the cycle otherwise will just continue. And that's what we're doing. We're breaking it. Yay. (laughs) So she says, if you are reading this book, you know what I'm talking about. The initial rush does not last. The more drunk you get, the more you regret it when you're sober up. It's a downward spiral. And if you're like me, you blame yourself. Why can't I get it together? Why am I so weak? What's wrong with me? Why did I do that again? Oh, I promised myself. Well, today, realize that the cycle has nothing to do with you being strong or weak. It has everything. It has nothing to do with you being a good or bad person. It's a chemical chain reaction that happens to everyone. Although we all feel the effects slightly differently based on our age, weight, sex, and environment, the biological reaction is the same. So remember, all the wisdom you seek is actually inside you. The most important words in this experiment are the ones that you will tell yourself. So take some time this week and answer all the questions in the, in the book in this first seven days. They're here. Separate them into journal. You can do voice memos speak them into your phone, whatever it is. I really do like the journaling though. So you have this resource to go back to, um, and know that it is not your fault and be really, really proud of yourself. Be really proud of yourself that you are taking this first step into our 30 day alcohol free challenge. It's going to be so fun to do this experiment together with you all. So I hope you enjoyed that show. I know it was a little bit different because I was reading from her book as well, but I really wanted anybody um, who didn't have the book yet to feel a connection to this. Go ahead and order it. Amazon can probably get it to you in a day, if not two. And again, you can go to the alcoholexperiment.com for more information and to, to join that support group. Send me an email at michelleschoenfeld.com or drop me a DM on Instagram. Um, I would love to add you to my list. I'm going to do three Zoom uh, groups. One is already full. I have a second one with three people. So if you want to be part of that, sign up. If you're hearing this later, don't worry. Message me. There might still be a way to get you in if you are interested. And um, yeah, that's it. I hope you guys really, really enjoy this. I'll tell you, my mom stopped drinking at the age of 32. And I asked her when she was here over the holidays, I said, mom, why did you stop drinking? Because she wasn't an alcoholic or anything like that. And she's pretty balanced. And she said, you know what, I just woke up one day and realized that I felt a lot better when I didn't drink. And so I just kind of stopped and started enjoying other things. And I got more into poetry and reading, just to see how long I could go. And the next thing you know, I didn't really miss it. Um, That's the cliff note version. But she is a 
a performance poet and a journalist and basically a creative. And she just felt like, you know, she was a lot more creative and had a lot more days of feeling good when she didn't drink. And I think of that as well, right? If you go back and look at the last year or last couple of years, especially during the pandemic, um, but maybe even before that, when we were all going to a lot more parties and charity things and events and celebrations, how many days did you miss because you're too hungover the next day to do anything? Or maybe you didn't miss the day, but you just sat around and ate carbs, ate sugar, ate crap. And then you go into the self-loathing about that as well, right? So how exciting and fun to take this first step. Yay, I'm so excited. All right, so get the book, Be Kind to Yourself. Tell me how you're doing. I want to know what your goals are for this. I want to know what your triggers are for this. Um, And let's all stay in touch. Again, I am your host of You Lost Me at Namaste, (laughs) Michelle Schoenfeld. And know that you are worthy. You are enough. You were born for the reason. The world needs you. I am serious. The world needs you. And this is just the beginning of a really, really beautiful year. Know that you are doing something beautiful for yourself. You're showing self-love. It's so important. Tell yourself what you're a yes to every morning when you wake up. I'm a yes to love. I'm a yes to happiness. I'm a yes to more days of feeling inspired. I'm a yes to abundance. I'm a yes to whatever it is, right? Whatever it is. And it's also a really beautiful thing while you're going through this 30 days. Before you go up to bed at night, think of three things that you're grateful for that happened during the day. Let your last three thoughts of the day be things that you are grateful for. And it can be super simple. It could be that you are first in line at carpool. There is nobody you know, in line ahead of you at the bank. A good friend called you. Um, maybe you just had a good day. Maybe you had a good workout. Maybe you took care of yourself. It doesn't matter what it is, but three things you are grateful for. Grateful to God, grateful to the universe, grateful to yourself, whatever works for you. But we want three positive things to be our last thought before we go to bed. And you'll be surprised at how you wake up feeling even better and empowered. And then when you wake up, you go take your shower, right? (laughs) And rinse off all those toxins. All right. Well, anyway, that is it for today for this episode. Stay safe out there and I will see you next week. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of You Lost Me at Namaste. If you liked it or you like this podcast in general, please take a moment and share the love by dropping me a review, giving me a rating or sharing it with your friends. The more love and light we can spread, the better our world will be. Thank you. And until next time, Namaste.